0: Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Joyce Erickson again with BelieversBibleSchool.com. Thank you for joining us with this podcast. And we finished chapter 6, but we are actually in the middle of a story here regarding Stephen, who would become the first martyr of the church. And so Peter or Stephen, I should say, was um, standing trial and uh, and we will find out what happens to him in this episode so there's really no division between chapter six and seven because it's showing us that Stephen is standing in front of Caiaphas or Um, Ananias, the high priest in the courtroom of the Sanhedrin council, and he's defending himself on false charges. And the charges against him were speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God and against the holy temple and the law. That was the first one. There's three charges here. Second of all, Accused of claiming that Jesus would destroy both the temple and the customs delivered by Moses. And then number three, he was considered a blasphemer of God and apostate from Judaism. Stephen stood motionless before the council while his accusers ranted and raved about his guilt. Stephen, on the other hand, showed himself calm, at peace, and just waited for his turn to preach the gospel in a way that they could understand the truth. The high priest then turned to Stephen and asked him to respond to the charges against him. Are these things so? asked the high priest to Stephen. In other words, are you guilty or not guilty? So that takes us now into chapter 7, and let's start with what the high priest just asked him. Are these things so? And in his response, Stephen began by pointing out that he was a son of Abraham and he valued himself as a Jew in every respect. And in paving the way for presenting the gospel, Stephen then opened up by giving a panoramic view of the history of scripture with the purpose of proclaiming the truth that this Jesus, whom he had been testifying about, was prophesied in the scriptures as their Messiah. Now, this Jesus is the one that they were waiting for, proving it by going all the way back to Abraham. So, I'm going to be reading now, as Stephen begins to speak, verses 2 through verse 8, and he said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, and he said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which we now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give, him, uh, give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Verse 6. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them Um, into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be bondage, I will judge, says God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac began begot Jacob and Jacob begot twelve patriarchs. So let's talk about those several verses. Peter or um, stephen Stephen spoke out how Abraham living in a pagan land of Mesopotamia where God revealed himself to him as the true God above all other gods. So then the first question would be, why did God specifically pick out Abraham to show himself as the one true almighty God? Well, being omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, God saw down the corridor of time to know that Abraham would recognize and receive God as the one true God in the midst of all of the pagan gods. God knew that Abraham would worship and serve him, and through him many seeds would come upon the earth. God, however, needed to get him out of his country and away from the influence of his pagan relatives. God had a specific country he wanted to bring Abraham to, a country that Abraham and his seed can call their own, a country where they could serve their God. This transfer, however, would take some time and it would be done in stages. So Stephen also reminded the Sanhedrin Council how Abraham had no children, but that God gave him a promise through a covenant known as the Abrahamic covenant, that he would not only have a child, but he would bring many descendants after him, that God would call his children in this new land where God would bring him. He would, however, come to this land for just a short time, but then his descendants would live in a foreign land and become slaves for 400 years under a new ruler with many gods. God Almighty, however, would then bring them out of that foreign land and make a covenant with them. And as a sign of that covenant, all male children would become circumcised. They were meant to be separate people under the one true God. So that takes us to verse 9, and we're going to learn about Joseph and the Israelites. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of his trouble and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Continuing on, verses 11 through 16. Now a famine and great trouble came over the land of Egypt and Canaan, and the fathers found no sustenance. And when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first, and the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family made known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt and he died, he and our fathers. And they were all carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. So here we see Stephen reminding the sanhedrin council how joseph son of the patriarch jacob was sold into egyptian slavery by the evil deeds of his brothers but how later jacob or joseph i'm sorry joseph received favor from the pharaoh and was made governor over egypt in the midst of famine This famine would be the catalyst that brought Joseph's family from their country to Egypt to live where Joseph eventually died and his father became slaves of the Egyptians for 400 years. So the family of Joseph, which is now renamed Israel, God renamed Joseph to Israel, would eventually be known as the Israelites. They came in as a family of 775, and in the time of those 400 plus years, they had become a nation known as the Israelites, the son of Israel. So that takes us to learning about Moses. Verse 17 through 22. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own. And Moses was learned in all uh, in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deed." Okay, because God had made a covenant with Abraham, the family of Joseph, which was really Abraham's grandson, all who had grown into a nation of people over the past 400 years, they were given mercy and favor by Almighty God. So when the time of promise was drawing close, what looked like a traumatic series of events by the Egyptians killing the babies of every Israelite family, God spared one male child by the name of Moses. He was spared death by the Pharaoh's daughter, who found him floating in a basket in a river and raised him as her precious son, and as such, Moses learned the way of the Egyptians and became a very powerful man throughout Egypt. Verses 23 and 20 through 29 will find Moses on the run. But when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver him by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and to reconcile them, saying, "Men." You are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Median, and he had two sons. So we see here, when Moses was 40 years old, he went out to see some of his Israelite kinfolk. And when he had witnessed one of them beating up on another, he came to the oppressed uh, oppressed one's defense, striking, striking down the beater, and he died. Out of fear, Moses then hid his body. The next day, Moses came back and found two more men fighting, trying to talk to them, He found out that the the death he had caused the day before was now rumored all over. And this knowledge frightened Moses so much to where he fled Egypt to escape any punishment. He crossed the desert, ending up in the land of Midian where he settled down, married, and had two sons. So that takes us to verse 30 to 34 and when 40 years had passed an angel of the lord appeared to him meaning moses in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of mount sinai and when moses saw it he marveled at the sight as he drew near to observe the voice of the lord who came to him saying i am the god of your fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now I will send you to Egypt. Forty years had passed when uh, with Moses being in Midian and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a bush consumed by a flaming fire where somewhere in, he was somewhere in the mountainous areas of Mount Sinai. And as Moses approached the flame, The voice of the Lord spoke out to him, saying, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in fear, Moses, he couldn't even open up his eyes. And then God said to him, Take off your sandals, for this place you are standing on is holy ground. God then told him that he had seen the oppression of his people in Egypt, and he was ready to free them, but he would be using him meaning moses to free his people moses was to return to egypt verses 35 and 36 this moses whom they rejected saying who made you a ruler and a judge is the one god sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in a bush he brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 days. Moses, descendant of Abraham, yet the one raised in the Egyptian palace by Pharaoh's daughter, would be the one whom God had called and sent to be a ruler and deliverer by the hands of that same angel, who first appeared to him in the burning bush. The rulers, the Egyptian rulers, however, would reject Moses. Through many signs and wonders, the scripture verified that Moses brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and one of the wonders was the opening of the Red Sea, Were the Israelites crossed through the sea, and the Egyptian army came after them, and the sea swallowed up the army. God had showed himself faithful by then protecting the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Let's go to verses 37 through 42. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, and you know Stephen is still speaking, giving them the history which they already knew, but he's confirming and reminding them as he enters into uh, the importance of who Jesus is. And he is saying, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me for your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers The one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Abraham, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. So here we have Stephen being accused of blaspheming. Moses is now giving honor to Moses by pointing out how the scriptures through Moses foretold that, the Israelites, that through the Israelites God would raise up another prophet, like him someday. Now the same um, um, this same foretold prophet had been with the patriarch in ages past, speaking the oracles of God to them. And it was the same foretold prophet who was also with Moses when God spoke to him in the burning bush on Mount Sinai. Moses had the honor of being with this foretold prophet and foretelling that he would ultimately come to earth as the fulfilled Messiah to the Jewish people. So when the Israelites first wandered in the wilderness, Their hearts did turn back to Egypt when Moses was up on the mountain talking to God. And in fear, many of them made a golden calf for an idol to worship and offer sacrifices. And they rejoiced in their evil deeds. God gave them up and simply allowed them to worship whom they chose. And then he devoured them in death. This prophet Moses also spoke of the one who instructed Moses with the commandment of God and watched over the children of Israel for all of these 40 years in the wilderness. And while they were commanded to give sacrifices of their animals to God during the 40 years of wilderness, when they came to the promised land, they began turning and worshiping the God of Molech and other idols. And as such, God forced them to leave their promised land and go into exile under another ruler. So continuing on in verse 42, Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphim, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. All this was not to blaspheme Moses, but to give honor as a person God used to point the way to the prophecies throughout scriptures that would lead them to Jesus, because Jesus was that prophet. He is king. He's the Son of God. He is the one true living God because Jesus is God. Verse 44 through 36 Our fathers had a tabernacle. We're talking about the tabernacle in the wilderness. As he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked for a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built the house. We're going through a lot of history, aren't we? And um, I'm trying to explain so, you know, you understand all what Stephen was talking about to the Sanhedrin council. Their fathers under Moses once had a tabernacle in the wilderness to be used as a pattern for future worship. At the end of 40 years, when another generation had grown up, Joshua led the Israelites back to their promised land that was then possessed by Gentiles. But the Israelites, through the hand of God, drove them out until the days of King David. And David asked God for a temple, and God used his son Solomon to build the temple. Verses 48 and 49, however, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Verse 49, heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? So Stephen is continuing on, and the air is, the tension is mounting in the courts of the Sanhedrin council. And Stephen boldly spoke out that God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. Whoa, that hit a nerve. He confronted the idolatry of the temple, confining God to within the walls of the temple. Because God is in heaven. And in doing so, he was confronting their idolatry of their temple. God, however, is much bigger, a much bigger God than that. So, 51 through 53, this is a long chapter. You stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and they killed those who foretold of the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by direction of angels and have not kept it? So we have Stephen boldly calling them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears meaning they were completely blind as to what they were doing. They were obstinate and determined to do what they wanted to do. There was nothing anyone could do or say to change their mind. He accused them of resisting the Holy Spirit in the same way that their ancestors had done. Their ancestors had persecuted and even killed the prophets before them, and now they betrayed and murdered their Messiah. They had the law, they knew the law, but they disobeyed the law. Verses 54 through 56. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being fully the Holy Spirit, meaning Stephen, gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. After listening to Stephen, the council was so angered, to the, even to the point of madness. Stephen, on the other hand, being full of the Holy Spirit, proclaimed, Look, I see the heavens open and Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Verses 57 through 60. Then they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran to him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. As the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Then when he had said this, he fell asleep. Refusing to listen to him, these these elders, these rulers of the Sanhedrin council covered their ears. And what I'm doing is explaining what happened here, screaming and running toward him like, like a wild, mad crowd. At that, they dragged him out of the city. They stoned him and his sentence, he was sentenced for being uh, guilty of blasphemy. Those who were part of the stoning laid all their outer garments at the feet of a young Pharisee named Saul, who we'll get to meet, acting as the official over the stoning. And they stoned Stephen as he was called, uh, calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He laid down and died. This concludes chapter 7. And so the story gets more intense, doesn't it? But it's a good story of the history of the church. And so um, as we conclude chapter 7, we will go into chapter 8 in our next podcast. So join me, will you, again? So in the meantime, this is Pastor Joyce Erickson with Believers Bible School saying God bless you, and we will talk later again. Bye-bye.